I'll tell you what let's do. If you would just, uh, those of you who would, if you would just, let's, let's make a confession of our faith over the word that we're about to hear. Say it with me. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I receive my Bible as God speaking to me. Therefore, I hear from God when I study my Bible. I understand his word by the Holy Spirit who lives inside me. Today, as I hear the word, my faith is going to be energized. I confess, I'll not only hear it, I'll also do it. And so because I hear it and I do it, my life won't stay the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give the Lord a shout, can you? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just put ourselves in your hands and we ask for your anointing in Jesus' name. You know, it's possible that you've heard me uh, talk about the things that the Lord put in my heart at the beginning of this year, actually toward the end of last year and the beginning of this year. It seems like almost every time I have uh, an occasion or opportunity to address the body of Christ uh, this year before I, you know, um, even really think about it very much, the reference comes out of my up out of here, you know, it's the way when God says something to you, most of the time it just comes up out of here. And your head connects to it later. <laughs> but it comes up out of my belly and pops up out of my mouth. But the Lord had put in my heart at the beginning of this year to be very diligent to urge uh, believers to make it a priority in their lives to seek to know God's thoughts and God's ways. You've heard me say that, I'm sure, if you've been coming to Generations this year. Or you've, uh, been, I've had the privilege of sh- saying anything to you, but knowing God's thoughts, that we, uh, that we would come to better know God's thoughts and God's ways. And the scripture is Isaiah chapter 55, where the, the Lord says there, the prophet says what God is saying, and he says, my thoughts, not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. It's, my ways are higher uh, than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your ways. And he doesn't say in that just to leave us, um, you know, in some loop of not knowing God, but he's challenging us to forsake our ways and come up to know his thoughts and his ways. Praise the Lord. And so it's a, I, again, today, I encourage you, I, I press you, I urge you, uh, you know, make that a pursuit in your life to know, to come to better know God's thoughts and his ways so that we will know what he's saying to us. Listen, the Holy Spirit's talking to us. The Holy Spirit's talking. It may seem like the world's screaming, but the Holy Spirit to believers is talking to us. God's voice is in the earth today. Will we hear his voice? And so, so that we can hear what he's saying and that, that we can know what he's doing. Be like the sons of Issachar in their time. They, they knew they tuned in to the Spirit of the Lord. And so that we will know what to do and how to do in these last days. Because I, I just, if I can say it again, as has been said for the last 2,000 years by mighty men of God, Jesus is coming soon. Don't you ever forget it. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Tell somebody. Tell your neighbor right next to you. Jesus is coming soon. And I'd say to you, be ready for his appearing. Be ready for his appearing. May that be something that we think of, that, that, that we're conscious of, that we don't just live life and forget that. And the way to be ready comes to us as, as, we, as we seek to know the things that he has revealed in his word and is revealed to us by his, by his spirit. And uh, that, that's how we do it. When we become savvy, 
you know, to the thoughts of God and, and to the ways of God. And this is something that pastor's been teaching. He's been trying to take subjects and take, take uh, scriptures and words and teach you what God thinks about them, what God says about them. This is what they really mean. We, we want to exegesis Jesus the word that the scriptures say so that we will know the intent of the word. What was it? It's not just, you know, a tradition thrown out there by men. Amen. And so we want to be savvy to those things. And for believers who are sincere to this, I believe that you're going to find yourself, um, you, you know, um, kind of de- you deal with a you deal with a pulling, you deal with a, a struggle of forces. You, you know, uh, you deal with, if I could call it a test, you deal with a continual test. And what I want to call it this morning and talk to you about this morning is refer to it as a test of two loves. Say that with me. A test of two loves. You're, you're continually living. Believers are continually living. Our life is a test of two loves. On the one hand, our love for God, our love for his ways, our love for his, his thoughts and his kingdom. And on the other hand, our love for ourselves, our love for our flesh. Praise the Lord. Let me, Robert, can I have that water right there? My mouth's a little dry this morning. Praise the Lord. But there's a test that's, that's a part of life. A test of our love. On one, one part, one love immerses us in God. One love immerses us in his kingdom and in his thoughts. One love immerses us in walking in the Holy Spirit and, and doing things God's way. That's what the kingdom of God is, is doing God's, God's way. Consumed with his purpose. Living by faith, trusting in the Lord and in his care, aligning our living uh, with, with the teachings of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Having eternity in our hearts. That's more than just thinking about this week. More than just thinking about, you know, the month or the, uh, maybe sometime I'll reach this goal or I'll reach retirement. Eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has put eternity in our hearts. See, there should be for believers this, this, this consciousness of eternal life that we're just, we're just warming up, man. We're just preparing for, for what God's got for a long, long, long time. Can I have an amen this morning? On one hand, one love immerses us in that. Then on the other side, there is a love that immerses us in this natural world. Just what we live in. It immerses us in our flesh. Where we just, we're stimulated and, and we're directed by our natural senses. What we see and, and, and what we feel, that's what moves us. And, and what we want and what we like and what we wish and what's pretty and what's, what's, exciting, what's you know, exciting to us. What, what, is it, what do we think you know, today is going to make me happy? What's, what's going to give me success? You know, what's, what's going what's to help me get what I, what I want? Where we just go after living life in the power of, of human effort and human initiative. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There, there is this, there's a pull. There's a pull of forces on us every day as believers. And you want to, I mean, you're sincere about your, your life with God. I'm talking about two, the test of two loves that all of us here this morning are particularly uh, we participate in every day. And the question for us today is, you know, uh, how are you doing with the test? How are you doing with the test? You know? Sometimes it might prompt us a, a, a little twitch, you know, or maybe a little tick to realize or to think that God might allow us 
to be tested in something. You say, well, Pastor, God doesn't, God doesn't allow us to be tested. He doesn't test us in things, but that's not true. It's not the devil, you know, that tests you. God's the one who tests you. The devil tempts you. Satan always tempts you with bad or sin in order to bring about bad. But God tests you with good in order to bring about good. And we live in this test, and it's, it's a normal thing, it's a normal thing uh, of life. The, the test of, of two loves, where we tested every day. And you know, I just look at my own life, and some days I do better than other days. Some days I score higher. You know, some days I get up in the 90 percentile, the high, you know, almost the 100. And some days, I, you know... I remember the old college days. Oh, Lord, you know, the, the 70s and helping Jesus. Okay, anyway, amen. But the test of two loves. There's probably no better illustration that I know of in the Bible than, the, than in the life of Abraham. And I'm going to give you a couple examples of those today. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 22, the scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. Say with me, two sons, two mothers. Two sons and two mothers. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Two sons, these two sons represented two distinct systems, two distinct ways that this man of God, Abraham, could and did live. On the one hand, this man lived this living, of one of them represented this, this living uh, uh, in, in the flesh, in the, in the normal, just the, the way things that might normally happen to the natural world. And then another way, a living by and in the spirit or in the kingdom of God. One of the sons named Ishmael represents living after Abraham's flesh, after the natural. The King James calls it after the flesh. I read it to you there out of the New Living Translation a while ago. The NIV says just living or, or, or Ishmael was born there was nothing unordinary about it. It was just the way the system works. It's just, you know, this is what happens. Uh, two people come together. They're intimate in such a way, and they have, they have a child. That's Ishmael. He's representing the way of the flesh. Human effort to make things happen, even though maybe God had promised something to happen, but it's, it's going about it in a fleshly way, to make something happen and you don't have to have God's help. Amen. The second son is Isaac. And he represents living after God. Living a life of the spirit. Living a life of faith. Trusting God for living. And, and settled in him that he's able to do whatever he says he'll do. That he'll bring about his will and bring about his promise. One way represents the life of the flesh, of human effort, and one way is the fruit of love and of faith in God. 
Now, here's the thing. Abraham loved both the boys. He loved them both very dearly. His love was genuine. He loved the boys and he loved God. So, you know, the love was good. There's nothing wrong with the love, but there was a test that was about to come his way. He tried to bring these boys up in the same home. You know, just in a natural family. Ishmael was born first, so he would, you know, he, he grew up. And then came, came Isaac. And as Ishmael grew up and Isaac grew up, one started mocking the other one. One started trying to intimidate and ridicule the other one. The offspring of the flesh began to try to intimidate and mock the son that was of the spirit. Can I tell you something? One of the hardest things that you and I will ever do is try to live with one foot in the flesh and one foot in the spirit. One foot in this world and one foot trying to follow God in all of his ways. And this is what was happening here. It's just like the flesh tried to pull and to mock and to, and, and to cause a disruption in the household of Abraham, so it does in our household. When we try to live in the flesh, the love of the world, and we try to live in the spirit. Then one day, you know what? The unbelievable happened. I mean, just, it's something Abraham wasn't ready for. One day, Abraham was asked to send a son away. Do you remember the story? He was told to send one away. Ishmael, who represented the world in the flesh, accomplishing things through the arm of, you know, human, human ability. And uh, Abraham is faced with a test of two loves. A test of two loves. And he's got to choose. God has him choose. This wasn't of the devil. God had him choose. And I don't want you to misunderstand it. The choice was not between the two boys. He loved both boys. The scripture says that he, he loved, he regretted so much. He, he struggled over this thing. He loved Ishmael and he, and he loved Isaac. The test of two loves was between his love for God and going God's way and embracing God's plan or living in his flesh, his own desires, living in, in his own wants and, and what he thinks is reasonable and it's only it's got to be right, you know. And so now all of a sudden he's, he's faced with this, this test. It's got to be, I mean, can you imagine? It's got to be one of the most extreme tests that any, any father could ever, ever face. And you say, well, man, I mean, that's just one of those crazy things in the Bible where, I mean, God must be so mean and so cruel. Look what the Lord has done here. God, how could he ask Abraham to face such a test and send a son away to just abandon this son, you know, make him leave the household? How could God do that? And that's our human reasoning there goes the thinking of the flesh and the way that God could do it was because that God knows more than we know how many of you know that God knows more about your situation than you know aren't you glad that God sees the end at the very beginning 
God knows what's going to happen. He knows what he wants to make happen. He knows the plans that he has for you. They're plans of goodness. As long as we get in his plan, it's going to be okay. And God is not trying to throw Ishmael out. He's not trying to abandon him. In fact, he pronounces a blessing upon him. But God has a plan for Ishmael. And God has a plan for Isaac and God has a plan for Abraham. And God knows this, that if he can ever get Abraham to stop living in his flesh and start living in his love for God, in his spirit, living, following the Holy Spirit, then God can get them all positioned in their place to where that he can bring about good in all of their lives. You see, God tests us with good in order to bring about good. God didn't test Abraham with sin in order to bring about good. He tested him with something good. Abraham didn't see it as good, probably. He probably didn't understand at all why is this having to happen. But God was testing him with good in order to bring about good. And I'm talking to you about this test of these two loves. In Job chapter 23 and verse 10 Job, in one of his times there, of after he's gone through all this suffering and he's seeking after God and he's, he's trying to get his life back realigned with God and with the plan of the Lord, he says, God knows the way that I take. He already knows what I'm going to do. He knows my way. And he says, when he has tested me, I'll come forth as gold. So here Abraham is, and he's, he's this, this test. And, of course, we know the story. He does do it, and God has his way. And Ishmael is, you know, he goes out, and I'm not going to go into all of that story. But we know that all of that turns out all right. But, you know, that's not the only time that Abraham is tested in this way. God allows him to be tested over and over and over in his love for him. Sometimes the test that, that we go through are, are pretty simple. You know, they're, they're, they're almost e- easy. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, sometimes the, the direction you're going to take is just obvious. It's pretty obvious. You, you know, you're tested. Well, do I do God's way or do I go my flesh? You say, well, you know, okay, I can put my flesh down. I say it aside, you know, I'll, I'll just, I know this is right. So we, we do that. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's more common. We, we have all the scriptures, you know, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, all of our strength. We're to love God first. We're to love people second. All those are the laws of love, and, and we're to obey those. And we get them as you walk with God a while. You get those inside you, and, and they become, you know, easier. But you know what? Sometimes the test of two loves is really hard. Sometimes the test of love is... is it, it becomes a very emotional decision that you have to make. It gets, it gets really deep inside you. Sometimes the test of love, I, I'm, I know that you've probably experienced it. I know I have my own, but that, that, that test of, of our love, the love for God or the love for my flesh, man, I mean, I've got to reach really, really deep in there for that. I got to, it's not easy to make it. it. It affects me. It pulls at me. It draws. It draws at me. And I have to, I have to reach really deep into my, into, my, into my soul, into my spirit. And I have to draw on something. I have to activate my faith. I've got to turn on my faith to, to, to make that choice. Amen. What do I do? Sometimes that, that test, it's not logical. It's not reasonable. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I know that God is 
drawing me that way. And it becomes a test of love, but it also becomes a trial of our faith. The trying of our faith, the trying of our faith. And we begin to see how that, that these two things have to begin to work together. Look in Genesis chapter 22, if you will. Let me give you another example of Abraham's life. I mean, if, if the first one of sending Ishmael away is not, is not a big enough test, now watch this one. In the first verse, it says, It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, Here I am. He said, Now I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, you know, I could stop there and preach a little bit, but, you know, God only, he, he only really recognizes the, the, the things that, that his plans that are going on. I mean, he really doesn't pay a lot of attention to the stuff you brought about by your flesh. But he's really into the things that, that he brought about and that he planned. But he says, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, whom you love. And I want you to go to the land of Moriah, and I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. Now, wait a minute. God, you, you, you cannot be saying this, surely. What is happening here? Can you imagine the conversation, uh, whether it be outward, vocal, mentally, or whatever, that, God is, uh, that Abraham is having with God? The thought process or the thoughts that he's having here. Lord, wait a minute. Now, you gave me this son, this guy, this young man. uh, You know how much I love him. And and, uh, you you know, Lord, that this son is the son of promise. This son is a son that, that, you know, all there's a a covenant that is conjoined to him and and your will. You have already said that you're going to make out of him a great nation. You have said, oh, Lord, that the whole world is going to be blessed through his lineage. And here you're telling me, O oh Lord, you're telling me that I am to, to take him and I am to sacrifice him. You want me to give him back and not just give him back. You want me to kill him on the altar. No matter how you look at that, no matter what frame of mind you come from, I, I don't think that there's any way, there's no way to Abraham that that makes any rational sense that couldn't make any logic that command that came from his loving father didn't make any sense at all and not only that not only does it sound crazy and cruel not only does it sound uh, like a you know an unreasonable request think about it that that word from god is not even out of not even in the character of god the god that he'd come to love you can't find, I can't find anywhere else in the Bible where that, where that God ever asked a person to sacrifice another person, to kill another person, to sacrifice him another person. If you know it, then send me, you know, come see me, whatever. But I can't find, that's not even in the character, it seems like, of God. To sacrifice somebody else, that's what the pagans did. The pagans would sacrifice their children or they would throw them in the fire, but not, not the God of Abraham. And all of a sudden, now here's, here's a test. This is a big test of two loves. Love for God. And it's not a, a test of love for his son. No, it's a test of love of his flesh. 
the natural way, his own reasoning, the way of the world, a test that it just seems almost too hard to, to be able to. How in the world does Abraham, how does he do this? How is he ever going to be, how is he ever going to be able to pass this test? Abraham, I'm sure, has to reach deeper. And we'll see in the scriptures in a minute. And he has to reach deep, 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 deep for this one. And it becomes not only a test of love, but it comes a trial of his faith. He does it by faith. Now, love is so important. You know, love and faith, they're two spiritual dynamics that we find in the scriptures, and they have to work hand in hand, love and faith. In fact, the Bible says that faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Faith worketh by love. Faith. Faith. This, this power of God worketh. It, it comes about by, uh, the, through this force of, of, of love. The Bible also says that, that God is love. The Bible says that the love of God is shed into our heart. How is faith working in us? John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, let us love one another. Love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God. Everyone that loveth is born. And that just has to mean deeper than just having an emotional feeling toward one another. That doesn't get us, that doesn't get us born of God. Everyone that loveth, everyone that, that loves God, we, we love his ways. We love his, his, his system. We love his kingdom. We love living in that environment. And when we come into that place of life as a believer, now, now there is something that happens. We're, we're, we're born of God, and, and love becomes who we are. Love one another. Loves of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And then it says, he who does not love does not know God. If we don't have that lifestyle of being first committed to God, loving God, that's our priority in life. That's the way we're going to live, not in the arm of our flesh and in the world. Then it says, we don't even know God, for God is love. I'm talking to you about something that is absolutely essential for a believer who wants to go beyond the confession of Lord, save me. Amen. So he says, listen, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The scripture also says that loving God and loving others is the fulfillment of all of the commandments of God. You love him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. It's the first commandment. Then you'll love your neighbor as yourself. The fulfillment of love, the fulfillment of all the commandments is, is love, love, loving God and loving others. Love is who we are as a believer. Love transforms us. It transforms us into that a Christ-like person with the nature of God because God is his love but then there's this other dynamic this dynamic that has to also be big inside us and that's this dynamic of faith and even great faith love is who we are it's what we are it's God's nature inside us but faith is how God empowers us to live out this love faith is more than an attitude Faith more than just a demeanor. It's even more than just believing. Faith is a spiritual force that's deposited or it's implanted into the heart and the spirit of a man. Faith 
empowers us to love. Faith empowers us to live. Faith empowers us to serve, to serve God and to serve other people. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It empowers us to do the Great Commission. Faith moves us. It moves us to compassion. It moves us to a heart of of caring. But then faith empowers us to do something about it. Does the Bible not say that the just shall live by faith? Now we read the scripture, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. And it says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Then if you go to the next chapter, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, we're getting them together. It's tying them together. John is teaching us a lesson. And he says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Even our faith. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. The world. The world is what? The world. This is the, the Greek word cosmos. The world. This, this, this word means uh, the, the order of natural things. It means governments, systems, ways. It means rules and laws. Overcomes the world. There is a, there is a, a world. There is a system. There is a, uh, there, there is a governing uh, that is in this, this world. And that God is saying here, listen, we've got to get to a place to where that you can overcome that world. Love helps you overcome that world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. This system, this order of things, it's all about you every day. And he says, even our faith, our trust and reliance in God, the power of God to make things come about as he wills. So we've got the test of two loves and we've got the trial of our faith. Now, how did Abraham pass the greatest trial or test of his, of his loves? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll tie it together. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him or tried his, what did he try? He tried his love. When God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And he who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Isaac reasoned, I'm sorry, Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Isn't that amazing? How did Abraham go about this? How did, how did he not freak out? How did he have faith to trust the Lord? Well, now let's listen. This, this relationship, by the time we got to this one, this relationship had been going on a while. Abraham had been walking with the Lord. He had become to know the Lord. He had become uh, to know better his thoughts and his ways. His faith had grown in the Lord to understand that even though perhaps he didn't know what to do, perhaps he didn't understand what the Lord had said to him, but he could go ahead and he could could obey him. He'd gone through that test of love 
loving God or loving his flesh. He'd gone through it probably no telling how many times. It was a process that he'd gone through. He had, he had developed his faith. He had developed his reliance and his confidence in the power of God such that he could just, oh man, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to live. But he developed himself so that he could just, he could, he could flow with God. He could flow with God. He could, he, he could just agree with God and the word of the Lord as it came to him. He could act out, outside his human reasoning as God acted outside the box of human reasoning. And when he was tested, when he was tested, he passed. We know the rest of the story. Uh, Abraham didn't know it at the time, but if you read the rest of it in Genesis chapter 22, of course, just before he was about to kill his son, the Bible says the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. That's what he said the first time, here I am. And he said to him, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. You revere God. What did he do? His love had been tested without limits. You love me without limits. And for I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and he took that ram and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And you know what he named that place? Abraham named the place. He named it Jehovah Uri, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will always provide. The Lord will always provide. And you know what? That's what he always does for us when we choose to live that life in the spirit. That life of loving God loving the kingdom, walking in the kingdom, deciding that we're not going to live our life in the flesh. We're not going to live our life in the world. He named it Jehovah Jireh. Two loves and the test of it and the test of the trying of our faith. For those of you who are sincere about your deeper walk with the Lord, these two dynamics are going to be part of your daily life. For the rest of the days that you live, love for God and loving him enough to trust him. Now, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I just want to close this with, we do this, we accomplish this by, by scripture. You know, the word is our guide and the word is our empowerment. The word empowers us to do it. So, so for these two dynamics, I, I'm going to leave you with scripture to help you be able to, to guide you through it and to live you. Live live through it. The first one is in 1 John chapter 2. We've read from 1 John several times today. But in 1 John chapter 2, dealing with uh, the test of love. Loving God or loving the world. Here's Here's what John teaches us by the Holy Ghost. He says in verse 15. He says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Stop right there for just a minute. Do not love the world. Again, the word is the cosmos there. It means the order of things, the system. This world's system. He says, don't love the world. That's one thing. And two, the things of the world. There are two different things. You say, well, how do you not love the world? Of course we love the world. The Bible even says that God loves the world. So what is he talking about? He can't be talking about, you know, his creation. He loves 
the creation. I love it too. I, I love to enjoy the creation of God. I, I, I love uh, the world when we think about the people of the world. You know, he sends us out into the world in order to, to, uh, to tell them about Christ. Amen. So what is he talking about? He's not talking about the world from that perspective. He's talking about the way this world is. He's talking about the systems of this world, the governments of this world, the way things work in this world, the way natural things work in the flesh. Oh, my God, help me to help, uh, help you see this. This is what he's talking about. Don't love that part of the world. You can't love the systems of this world, nor the things of this world, all of its stuff. In other words, you can't live your life for this world. You can't live your life just connected with, with the stuff of this world. He says, if you do that, anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, this other, this other way of life, the life of the kingdom, loving God with all of your heart, the priority of God, that's not in you. For all that is in the world, the lust of this flesh, the lust of your eyes, what you see, what you want, what makes you feel good, what on the screen, controlled, mood, and dynamic by all of your feelings and all the things that were touched on. The pride of life, you know, of, of who you are, who you can be, what you've accomplished, all the stuff that you have. He says all that stuff is not of the Father, but it's of this world. There's two systems. There's two ways. There's two kingdoms. Don't keep your feet in the flesh, in the world. Go the other way and go after God. In verse 17, he says, and this world passes away and the lust that is in it, all the stuff that's in it, it's going to be gone. But he who does the will of the Father, when you do the desires of the Father, you live forever, abides forever, abides forever. The test of two loves, the love of God, the love of our flesh, How are we doing with that test? Then the trial of our faith. I'm going to leave you with a scripture for this one. The trial of our faith. Trusting God. Invoking God. That allows his will to play out in our life. Agreeing with his his power. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It may not be what they put up on the board. But here Peter by the Holy Spirit says. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure trials for a little while. But now watch these trials. What is it for? He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Trials show that your faith is genuine. Genuine. The trying of your faith shows your faith is real. It's genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through your trials, it's going to bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The trying of your faith. Hallelujah. The other scripture is in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, where, where James tells him, he says, brethren, he says, listen, count it all joy. Consider it joy. Different translations say it different way. Continue in joy. Keep your joy. When you, when you, when you come against 
various diverse kinds of temptations or tests or trials or adversities. Don't lose your joy. Don't lose your joy. Don't lose your confession. Don't lose your faith in God when you hit that. It's a part of the Christian's life. Your love's going to be tested and your faith is going to be tried. Here's what he says. He says, always know this, that the trying of your faith is developing something. It develops patience. Another translation says it develops perseverance. It, it, de- it develops steadfastness. This sense, this power of depending upon God and knowing that he hasn't abandoned you and knowing that he hasn't, he hasn't left you and knowing that he's got your back. Listen to me, God's working on all sides of your problems. He's working on the sides that you don't see. You may see it from one perspective and you see it from one and you see it from your suffering, but God knows what's going to happen on the other side. He's working on everything that concerns you, my friend. Stay in joy. Joy is your strength. When you've come into these things, know in your testing of your faith, it's going to produce, it's going to produce this steadfastness, this perseverance. It's going to produce... It's going to produce a power within you that if you'll just let it mature, you'll just, you'll just let it work inside you. The next verse says it'll make you complete. It'll make you mature. Some, some of us think we're matured a lot more than we really are. And when our, when our faith is tested, we realize I still got a lot of growing to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so what do we do? We, we just let it grow. Let it grow. Let it happen. Let it have its perfect work, as the Bible says, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Look at your neighbor and say, lacking nothing. You know, your circumstances may look pretty miserable right now, but I'm here to tell you that according to the word of God, that if you'll pass the, the test of love, Don't go the way of the world. Stay away from flesh. Keep your love for God. Let that be the priority of your life. The ways of God's systems, God's thinkings, God's thoughts. I'm going to live that way. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening, but that's the way I'm going to live. I'm going to pass that test. And if you will let your faith be tried and you won't quit, God has a promise for you. He's going to take you through it. Amen. Amen. Galatians 5 and 6. For in Christ, I close with this scripture. In Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision matters at all. In other words, in Christ, what you do in the flesh, what you try to accomplish, all your arm of flesh and all your human ability and all that, it doesn't really make have anything to do with God moving on your part. What, what is it? What is it that, that works for us? Here's what it is. It's faith. It's your faith working. Your faith in God. Your trust in God. The, the, the realization that you have a power, a force within you that can create the things that God wants to see happen in your life. It's faith and it's working because you're anchored in love. Love for God and love for his kingdom. Father, Oh, my Jesus, I pray. I pray somehow you take these muddled up words, oh God, and you take the truth.
the realization, the depth of God, of what you're trying to teach us in this time, in these last days, and that you illuminate revelation in every one of our hearts so that we can live for you, we can better know your thoughts, we can better know your ways, we can know what you're doing, we can know what you're saying, and oh God, we will know how to live in these last days and not just cope and not just survive, but Lord, that we will thrive in the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a shout. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We love you, Lord.